0: Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, the ultimate education show on the forefront of the burgeoning edtech revolution. Join us each week as we interview the most cutting-edge edtech companies, content creators, and curriculum developers across the planet. Scalar, learning, give me that What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Huzefa, as always. And today we are talking to another avant-garde edtech company, a really cool one called Sphero. Okay, and that's S-P-H-E-R-O. So what is Sphero? Sphero is, an e- Sphero is a STEAM-based tool set that weaves hardware, software, and community engagement to promote 21st century skills. And While these skills are absolutely crucial, Sphero goes beyond code by nurturing students' creativity and ingenuity like no other education program can. And here today we have to talk to us about Sphero is one of the co-founders, Adam Wilson. Adam, welcome to the show. Hey,
1: thank you so much for having me.
0: So, Adam, first, before we dive into Sphero and what it's all about and all the really amazing things and products and learning experiences that it has to offer students, tell us a little bit about your background and how you came into the idea of creating something like this.
1: Sure. So, uh, as a a kid, maybe 10 years old, I actually developed an extreme fascination for the robot in Johnny Five in the movie Short Circuit. Love that movie. Um, I credit that literally to my entire career. Uh, just the idea that in the future—and that seemed very futuristic—that someday robots were going to be a little bit more social or a little bit more part of our lives. Um, and so that idea was instilled in me as a young, young kid. And so I always tried to make robots growing up, and it never really worked out for me um, until about high school. And I got really good at programming, coding, trying to make robots. Um, and, and so then I went to university, uh, to learn math and science. And so I went for physics and mathematics. And it turned out that that whole time I really learned how to organize my life. And I think that's what school does that did best for me. And, and I met my co-founder, Ian Bernstein. Um, and so during that time in college, he was going to a, a college, a, you know, a university right next to ours kind of, and he said, I think phones are going to take over the world as far as controlling everything, and this was in the year 2009, so they were taking over. It was the, you know when the iPhone was coming out, um, and so lo and behold, the idea of putting robots and, and phones together really sparked an interest in us, but we wanted to make them sort of friendly for everyone and, and usable and, and this new form factor that nobody's ever seen, so not scary like a Terminator, but different, um, and so that was the birth of the robot ball, And so we came up with this ball because it didn't have a gender or an identity or anything. It was just this interesting robot that you could control through a smartphone. Um, And with that, we actually always opened it up so you could program it. And that's how we kind of built into this education company that we are now.
0: It's very interesting, and, and I think it's a, it's a really endearing design, that the, the little balls. Cause I've seen a lot of the videos uh, from your company of them rolling around. It's, it's really cool. But So you, you had a fascination with robots. You had this idea that phones were taking over the world. You wanted to merge the two, but then how, what, what was it that made you guys think or realize that, wait a minute, this can be not only a fun tool and an, an incredible tool, but something that can, we can use to teach uh, children? When, when did you guys, how did you make that revelation? yeah so
1: interestingly enough i'm I'm what I'd consider a hardware hacker. I like to take things apart. I've always kind of you know put new software on things and when Ian and I met up, the number one criteria of making any robots or toys was that they had an open api right and for those not super technical, that would just mean that you can send code to this robot and it'll do what you say from anything as long as you know the code um <clears throat> and so we said we want to make that open and available to everybody, so you could write. You could have these robots do anything you want in your sort of idea or your project. Um, And through that, it turned out that, yes, we made our own apps where you could drive the robot around and they were fun. But when we that API, we we really saw people having fun with it. Um, We did a couple of hackathons, right? And so that's when everybody kind of gets together and tries to make some interesting new program with, with these robot balls. So it was a very interesting idea. And everybody got together, and they had so much fun. Honestly, some of them just learning how to code Uh, because it was this output. I mean, we're so used to screens right now that if you make a ball on the screen move from left to right, it's really not that interesting. I mean, it is, but it doesn't blow you away. If you write a code, if you write some code and it actually runs and a robot goes from one side of the room to the other and turns red and then turns a maze or does something very simple just from – just that first, like, success, we saw people having such a great time with that. And so from there, we realized that that's a, that's a product that we can offer that's really useful. People are learning how to code. People are actually using it to, to teach the Pythagorean theorem, right? Because driving a robot on the floor and doing a triangle is very interesting compared to just worksheets about triangles. Uh-huh. Um, and, so, and so that's kind of how it was born,
0: that actually sounds amazing so it's essentially when you're talking about pythagorean theorem and i, I want to come back to uh talking about programming by the way but when you mention the pythagorean theorem my ears perked up because of course math is my forte and what's what my whole business is built around but if you so almost like where you're where you're having to program those distances in and you must use the pythagorean theorem to correctly calculate the distances of a b and c is that what you're talking about
1: yeah so the it's it's a really fun exercise is you know we've had a lot of a b testing kind of of kids doing it the normal way I think, and then kids doing it with a robot um, and if you learn with a robot, so yeah, you go from one point you draw a straight line and then you have it take a right angle and do another line for a certain amount of however long they want, but then you say it's got to get back to the start and and we have that marked with a piece of tape like on the floor in the classroom and so they just You know, some of them will try to figure it out by just walking it and trying to maybe figure it out. But once you teach them that there's a way to do it mathematically, it's a really important thing for the robot to actually do that, right? So this is where we had to make a a really robust, great robot that will get right to where you wanted it to go. Like, there can't be any mistakes, meaning, like, if the kid does this right, it should go back to the right spot. Um, It shouldn't be a fault at the robot. So Spiro, and chance, will go right to the right spot. We put a lot of effort into that. And the success, the instant, like, okay, there's a reason to have the Pythagorean theorem. There's a, you know, look at this robot thing. Uh, It really, it really sort of highlights this educational foundation of failing, learning, you know, trying, being involved with it rather than just learning through books. I think the old school way that we probably all learned.
0: Yep, and, and and the way that it's currently being taught. Which look, I, I, I think there's there's value in, in, in that methodology too. But what you're saying sounds incredible and like I'm just imagining employing it in, in my classroom or with my students, it'd be so much fun and that's that's super cool. I wanna I wanna jump back though to something we're you're talking about in terms of hey, this actually teaches kids how to code, how to program. How important is it nowadays with technology is just sort of more and more seamlessly merging with everything that we do, pretty much taking over everything we do. How important is it for young students to have an understanding of coding and programming?
1: You know, it's an interesting topic because I, obviously I don't think everybody needs to be a coder, right? Not, not everybody needs to be a programmer in the future. And I just think that the idea of using computers to automate tasks I can't imagine any field of study in any job that that wouldn't be useful. Um, and so learning how to become automated and and or even automating your personal life. I mean, you know, there's some interesting ways to use sort of programming or this idea to become better with technology um, and, and realize that it can input and output to the real world. Um, I think that that's important for everybody and so As the future grows and things obviously become more technical, most of the jobs, there will be plenty of jobs to be programmers, but I think there's a subclass under that too of plenty of jobs where it's like automating normal, interesting tasks. And if you're going to start your own company, which a lot of people want to do as well in the future, I believe, you certainly got to know how to put up a website or something kind of basic like that. And so I just find that the idea of understanding computers is quite important to all walks of life you know, whether it's a technical job field or
0: not. I'm right there with you. I'm a computer science, uh, you know, computer science major as well as was a programmer once upon a time. So I'm right there with you and I, I agree 100%. So as you're describing these activities to me, I'm imagining them being really amazing in a in a school setting, in a classroom setting. And I know you guys have something called the computer science Computer Science Foundations, which seems to be an integration into the classroom. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so over the past maybe two years, um, we've been trying to not drop uh, drop kids off sort of at the edge. So we had our Sphero robot called the Bolt, right, which was more geared towards education, and we also had one called Spark before that. And those two robots were geared, you know, sold in packs to schools with content so that you could. The Pythagorean was one of them, and there's all kinds of interesting content packs in there to do. Um, But then we also realized that right at the end of sort of our content lesson, the next stage of programming or getting into any sort of hardware or robots is actually a pretty big leap. Um, You know, you're like, well, okay, you can use Arduinos or Raspberry Pis or write JavaScript on a website, or it just kind of was a little bit more of a leap. Um, And so we thought that there's a place for us to sort of help with the next step up too. And so with Computer Science Foundations, it's, addressing all the normal Computer Science Foundation um, goals, but with this interesting robot kind of at your side and, and using it to, in the same way we did for the Pythagorean theorem to learn the, the actual, you know, needed information for the Computer Science Foundation courses.
0: And so <clears throat> is it when when you mentioned the one about Pythagorean theorem, Pythagorean's theorem, so is it that it's, it's sort of tangentially, it touches a lot of areas or is it Or do you have courses, let's say, hey, this is a great course for pre-algebra that has several activities that match up to the pre-algebra curriculum. You know, how how does it exactly mesh um, grade-wise and class-wise?
1: Yeah, so currently it's a little bit more um, like disparate across the category. So meaning the first, excluding the Computer Science Foundation's um, category, but just our normal content on the app that you get when you sort of are using it in general in, it's across all the subject areas, from history to writing, and, and they're, they're not exactly deep in, in the individual one. So they're more addressing fourth, fifth, and maybe kind of into sixth grade. And then the Computer Science Foundation is more fifth, sixth, seventh, kind of as you become a little bit more into programming, where it, it's addressing action, you know, all the actual courses from the STEM, you know, it has 24 lessons in there to just kind of go over things like loops and understanding all the different understandings of computer science we do plan to you know release things that are more tied in with higher level mathematics or or science or uh, ideas even in programming and that would be the launch of our robot called rover and so that robot actually has the ability to kind of take all of this to the next level um, so I just want to put that
0: out there too. So can you tell us a little bit about – did you say it was Rover what it was called? Can you tell us a little bit about Rover, maybe the, the estimated time of release, things like that? Yeah, so actually Rover's out. Um, we did a Kickstarter for it, and um, it's out now.
1: And so the idea about Rover is it's a platform. It's Imagine if you took every all the amazing stuff about the Spiro robots. So durability, long battery life, connected to the phone. Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of slew of different things that they do. They're very, very accurate and controllable. And you put that sort of as a mobile, almost tank, like a blank canvas, right? Like a tank platform where you can put any of your projects on there, little robot arms or, you know, little designs or anything else you want to be mobile. And it would take away any of the, you know, hurdles of making an actual robot platform. Making things move around is the hardest part. So we want kids to be able to, or or anybody really, to be able to perform their ideas, you know, have a robot drive around and use a camera and see a cat and, and react to it or something pretty interesting like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, people can do that, but they always get stuck making the robot part. And so this would help them with that. And the, uh, it's 249 dollars retail, and you can buy those in education too, and you get a discount, quite a big discount on that.
0: Now let's talk about students that are maybe wanting to just, you know, their school isn't purchasing the programs but they just want to have fun and on their own uh, what are what are the options for them to just jump in and sort of do this do the stuff independently or maybe with their parents
1: Yeah so that's kind of the the coolest part about this robot or the new way of in our opinion you know educational technology is is this is a cool robot outside of this classroom anyway and so if you buy the, the, any of our robots off our website or from a store um, you can do all the stuff that's in the classroom, it's all the programming. Um, it's all sort of freely available out there without the direct tie to all the lessons, right? That's sort of something you have to upgrade to. But all, there, there's also a huge community of people who make their own lessons or their own code that you can mess around with. And so that whole, that whole um, community aspect of it, there's a place to go online and read about other people's code or see their projects. And that's all open to everybody, so you don't have to be in school to do that. Homeschool, curious-minded people. You don't even have to... I mean, it's still cool even as an adult, right? Like, I'm a, I have a... If I turn my video on in my we're chatting, I have a giant R2-D2 in the background. I still like robots. And to be able to control them with computers is just interesting and, and, and have actual control of them. So even as an adult, it,
0: it can help inspire people to learn code when you might not think that you want to know code. Totally. When you mentioned something that was really cool at the beginning, these hackathons, and that, that's gotta be a lot of fun. That's gotta be a social environment. It's gotta be an electric environment. If students or parents are listening to this and they say, man, I think my, my child would love to participate in a hackathon, is that possible in any city or is that really only, you know, how, how, did they, how, is that, how could they do that? Well, interestingly enough, um, here at Spiro, we, we put a lot of effort into trying
1: to make a digital hackathon. Um, and so what that would mean is that we'd give out criteria and goals where you'd need to write your program and submit it. So all you'd have to do was have a robot. Um, and, and then you could submit your code through online through this sort of competition we're going to build. Um, and in that case, then we'll hopefully move towards regional competitions and sort of a global zero champion, you know, championship type of thing. Um, and so really, that's pretty easy to get into. The, there's different categories for it. So, meaning the higher end one with that rover, where you're putting, you know, a whole computer like a Raspberry Pi on top and doing machine learning, all the way down to some interesting maces and how fast you can do them with the Spiro Mini, and that's our cheapest robot. That one's, you know, in the fifty dollars price range. So it's it's affordable too. So literally, this whole suite of cool information and and even learning that the Pythagorean theorem for your kid with the robot is available for about fifty bucks. And and that was a, I mean, it took a long time to get it to that price, but. That was sort of our goal.
0: And to enter this digital hackathon, because I can already think of a ton of students that I would love to share this with and that I I think would love to participate. Is there a price for the digital hackathon or how does that work?
1: Uh, It's actually still being orchestrated, but I don't believe there's going to be a price to to compete uh, unless there's, you know, and there's certain higher end categories Um, like schools. Right, We're going to have other levels. So I think there's going to be a normal one where everybody can just compete. And then there's going to be an organized one where it's going to have actually a pretty nice reward for schools, right? Um, you know, distributed power packs for your schools and some nice financial reward for the school to to donate to a maker studio or something. Um, and so we're doing partnerships and still building all of that. But I hope and I would assume that the idea would be at least the, the lowest bar just to compete and try to win and, and have, you know, play in our contest to see if you can make your way up to our championship to see if the real, to see if you are the best, uh, that's free. You know, I don't want a financial, we don't want a financial burden to stop the best programmer from joining or, and sometimes it's interesting because you, you don't, it's not always the stereotypical best in the classroom or the, the one who studies the most. This one honestly takes in the, in creativity to be the best. Um, and so it's on, it's fun to see. Sometimes it is, you know, the person you might think that's really good at programming robots or something in a class, but sometimes it's not. Um, sometimes you can be more tricky because it's a, a mesh of real world and and software, right? It's It's something different.
0: See, I love those types of things because it can often ignite something in someone who may have felt, oh, this is not my area of specialty, and then all of a sudden they have a light bulb moment, and we, we see this in math, we see this, but something like this that's a little bit different, and then say, oh, wait, maybe I, I have a knack for connecting these disparate ideas. So that's really incredible, and that leads me to another question. With all these schools and people that have been using Sphero, what is some of the feedback that you've gotten from the schools in terms of, hey, since we started using the the... The, the classes or the curriculums or the robots period, just for fun. What are some of the, what's some of the feedback, what's some of the stories that you've gotten in terms of students' growth and development?
1: Oh man. We, I get the best part about honestly working at Sphero or starting Sphero is, is the fridge in our kitchen, right? Our company's kitchen is we post them. We have kids that write to us all the time about it. Um, people who thought that they were definitely not smart enough to be a robot programmer or somebody who didn't think engineering was interesting or, Whatever the case may be, or a a girl who thought I didn't really like this, and now she she's going to uh, Stanford next year, right? Early, to do engineering in robotics. We're like, wow, we didn't see that change. So we, that's kind of one of my favorite ones. It's just sort of the breakout students that you might not expect, or just how changing kids' lives and letting them see this, but also just you know letting the everybody in the world have access to technology like this is, is a really interesting goal from us. So when we hear, you know, kids who never have touched technology or especially, like I said, somebody who might be struggling physically with a disability, this kind of opens them up. Like you see people be able to like, I can move the physical world with this iPad or with this code or even just with my mind. Um, and that's, that's, the most sentimental best part. And and we also get a lot of feedback, which has improved our products, right? So we have I could go through a huge list of that, but things that make it better for them in a the classroom.
0: Awesome. All right, Adam, this is so cool. Thank you so much for, for joining and telling us about Sphero. If people want to reach out and check out your products or maybe ask you guys questions, where do they go? How do they do that? Yeah, so we're obviously online at Sphero.com. You can kind of find all of our social media from
1: that main page there. And I'm Adam Wilson, so you can find me on any normal social media thing too. And I respond on Twitter. So if you reach out to me on Twitter and you're a teacher, um, it's how we get a hold of each other. So I often will pass you along to our educational team or something. But I mean, we're open. Anybody at Sphero, if you find us, we're open. And we also have Sphero Edu on Twitter to to follow all the cool projects and great things going on.
0: Awesome. So guys, if you want to reach out to Sphero and you didn't get a chance to take down that information, well, it's a podcast, so you can always rewind. But if you don't want to rewind, you can go to our website. Just go to scalarlearning.com and go to the podcast section. You can check all this stuff out. All the links will be provided in the write-up section. And make sure to check us out as well on YouTube if you want all the latest and greatest videos for SAT, ACT, and IC Math Prep. Also, we got a new math music video coming out anytime now on Synthetic Division, so make sure to keep an eye out for that. Uh, and last but not least, check back every week for new podcast episodes with up-and-coming edtech companies. Thank you guys so much, and I'll see you next time. Take it easy. Skinner. Learning, give me that skill
1: learning